All right. Excited that you're back tonight. Hopefully it'll be a good... Lord, you'll give me some things, Lord, that will resonate within the heart of those that are here tonight. Father, we just thank you and we praise you. We just bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, John Maxwell says, everything rises and falls on leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. So if that be the case, and I believe that it is, and that means if something is successful, it's because of good leadership. If something fails, a good night. All right, why don't we uh, open tonight with a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here tonight. Thank you for these that have come. Father, I just pray, Lord, that your anointing will be upon uh, the lesson tonight and upon your servant tonight. Father, God, I pray even as I speak, then uh, it's because of a lack of leadership. And that would be true in every area. That'd be true in a business, be true in a church, uh, even be true at home, right? Even at home. Let me remind you of what I said last Wednesday night, and that is everyone is a leader. Everyone is a leader. You may not feel like a leader. You may not think you are a leader, but you are a leader. If you have influence over somebody, you're a leader. Uh, If people look to you for advice or help, uh, you're a leader. Um, If you have uh, someone following you, that makes you a leader. You might not be a good leader. Uh, You might not be leading well. Uh, Nevertheless, you are a leader. Uh, If you are a spouse or a parent, you're leading, or at least you should be. Um, If you have people under you at work, that makes you a leader. If you have a position at church, you are a leader. Everyone is leading someone. Leaders should be learners. Leaders should be learners. Because we never learn it all, do we? We never learn it all. Uh, And when we stop learning, then we stop leading, right? Because leaders should be learners. Leaders never get to the place where they no longer need to improve or learn new things. I've been in ministry for 43 years. Let me tell you that pastoring a church in 2015 is absolutely nothing like it was pastoring a church in 1973 when I began. I'm pretty sure probably if you've been in your business or in your place of employment or in your place of of service very long, uh, you can say the same thing, that it's it's a whole new ballgame, isn't it? It's a whole new ballgame. Things change so rapid. We're, We're living in the age of change when things change incredibly fast. And so, and so if we're going to lead, we're going to have to be a learner to keep up. Well, tonight I want to begin uh, talking about what I call A-plus leaders, A-plus leaders, or in other words, what it takes to be a superior leader. 
we don't want to just be leaders. We just don't want to be just okay leaders, but we want to be excellent, don't we? We want to be superior. And, uh, and so I put together some lessons that I've entitled A-plus leaders, or what it will take to be a superior leader. Uh, Proverbs, let's get a little foundation here. Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 9 says that, in, it says, if you'll instruct the wise, they will be even wiser. If you have wisdom, if you truly have wisdom, then you have enough wisdom to understand that you need more wisdom. Instruct the wise, and they will be even wiser. It goes on to say, teach the righteous, and they will learn even more. If you can, come on down a little closer so I can connect with you. It's hard to connect with you guys way back there. If you have a baby, I understand that. But other than that, come on down. Thank you. You're just afraid you'll get spit on. That's what it is. Thinking about that, I had a guy, had a, a man called me out of the blue yesterday. I haven't talked to him in probably 25 years. He was, a, he was a kid in my church years ago, 25, 30 years ago. And he just called out of the blue just to connect. And, uh, and he, he, told, he said, I've told a lot of people about you. He said, uh, he said uh, I tell them that I, you know, that I grew up under a, I, I grew up under a third row pastor. And people ask me what a third row pastor is, and I tell them, well, you've got to get to the third row, you get spit on. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so you're just afraid you're going to get spit on. That's why you're sitting back there. Uh, Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 20 says, Get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise the rest of your life. Wouldn't it be awesome and incredible as a young person or a young uh, young married or, you know, young adult, wouldn't it be awesome to get some wisdom early on? Some of us that have a few years on us, you know, I, I you know, uh, wow, it would be just so awesome to, to get some wisdom early on, and that's what the scripture says there in Proverbs 19 and 20, get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise the rest of your life. So the sooner that you get the wisdom and the knowledge uh, the better your life's going to be, correct? And there are two ways to get wisdom. Two ways to get wisdom. The first way to get wisdom is through trial and error. Trial and error. You know, three steps forward and two steps back. You know, through life experience. Through success and failure. That's, that's one way to, get, to, to glean and, and to gain wisdom. And truth of the matter is we often learn more through our failures than we do through our successes. So failure in and of itself is not all. I'm not trying to get you to fail, but I'm telling you that failure in and of itself is not all that bad anyway. It's, it's, and it's not really totally failure if we learn something in the process, correct? So there's two ways to get wisdom. Number one is through trial and error. Three, three steps forward, two steps back, life experience. The other way to get wisdom is to borrow from the wise. You can get wisdom by either, you know, the bumps and bruises and three steps forward and two steps back experiences of life. Or you can gain some wisdom by borrowing some wisdom from somebody that has some wisdom. How many know that's a better way to get wisdom? 
And I'll tell you that if you get all of your wisdom through trial and error, three steps forward, two steps back, uh, bumps and bruises, experiences of life, you're going to be a bloody, beat-up mess. So it's much better to get as much wisdom as you can from someone else, borrowing from the wise, because they have been there, done that, and bought the T-shirt. The thing about it is, is we, need to ha- we have to have enough wisdom to know who the wisdom people are and who the wise people are. Just because somebody has gray hair, that in and of itself doesn't make them wise. Okay? Just because they're your dad or your mom and you should love them unconditionally, but that in and of itself doesn't necessarily make them wise, at least in every area. So we have to have a little bit of wisdom to know who to go to for wisdom. Does that make sense? Let me just tell you, Now I've said it a million, million times, but it's how we learn, you know. Don't go try and glean wisdom on your finances from somebody that's broke or in debt up to their eyeballs. They're not the people to go talk to. You'll find somebody that's got it all together, you know. Don't go seek wisdom for your marriage from somebody that's on their fifth marriage, okay? They got a lot of experience, but they don't have the answers. I promise you, they wouldn't be in marriage number five if they did, okay? So... All that uh, uh, said, hopefully I can pass some of, of, of the wisdom that I have on to you. And, uh, and let me tell you that I've gleaned wisdom from both ways. I've gleaned wisdom from three steps forward, two steps back, life experiences. But I've also, also, and I learned early on, I learned early on as an early minister uh, to, to sit down with some older godly ministers and pick their brain and, and, and get some wisdom from, from them. So the wisdom that I have, I'm not claiming to be all wise. I certainly am not. But I do have some wisdom, much of it gained through, uh, through borrowing wisdom from, from other people and reading books and life experience and all of that. So excited to see some young people in here tonight. So excited to see some young people here tonight. You can spare yourself a lot of, a lot of problems, a lot of difficulties if, if you pay attention and you listen and you do more than just pay attention and listen, but you implement what you learn, it'll help you. It'll make your life so much better. All right, let's get into our subject for tonight. Let's talk about our subject for tonight, A plus, A plus leaders or becoming a superior leader. Go into our notes. It takes very little effort to be a C student. Most of us can be a C student without studying, without applying ourselves. C students are a dime a dozen. They mostly just show up. Just show up. Um, in order to become an A-plus leader, there are many things you must learn. And I, three things I want to talk about tonight, and I've got a whole list of things that we'll talk about in the next few weeks, but three that I want to talk about tonight. So if you want to become an A-plus leader, if you want to become a superior leader, not just average, not just get by, just, you know, but if you want to become a superior leader, you want what I'm calling an A-plus leader, the first thing you need to do, and these are in no order, but number one is you need to learn how to apologize. Learn how to apologize. We're already elbowing people saying, pay attention, listen up. But I'm telling you, this is very, very crucial. 
and very, very uh, helpful uh, and mandatory for leadership, excellence in leadership. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24, Jesus said, Jesus said, hey, he said, if you go to the altar or if you go to worship, and when you get to worship or you get to the altar, you get to worship, Jesus said, and there you remember that someone has something against you, Jesus said, leave the altar. Leave, the, leave worship and go be reconciled with that person. And then come back to the altar to worship. That's quite interesting, isn't it? Quite interesting. What was Jesus saying? Well, I believe that he was saying that your vertical relationship will never be right until you first get your horizontal relationship right. You can't get right with God if you're not willing to get right with your fellow man. So learn how to apologize. Here's what I, here's what I believe. Strong leaders, back to our notes, strong leaders own their mistakes. Strong leaders own their mistakes. They don't play the blame game. You know, they're not always trying to roll their mistakes or their problems or whatever over onto somebody else. You know, I'm like, the way, I'm like this because, you know, uh, you know, because my grandma wouldn't give me, wouldn't give me the, uh, the second uh, popsicle I wanted, you know. Okay, that's pretty, but I mean, some people, it's just bizarre. You know what, I'm, I'm the way I am because this, that, no. Strong leaders own their mistakes. Let me tell you something. People appreciate a leader uh, who doesn't pretend to be perfect. I can't tell you how many people have come to me over the years and have said, you know, Pastor, there's something I appreciate, and that is your transparency. Transparency. And recently I've had several say, you know, I, I love the fact that you're willing to get up and say, you know, there's some things in this Bible I don't agree with. Or there's some things in this Bible I don't understand. You know, I've never heard a pastor say that. And it just makes me feel so much better to hear you say that. Now, I always go on to say, it's true, and it's right. I'm wrong, and it's God's right, I'm wrong. It's right, I'm, you know, I, just because I don't understand it, or just because I can't get my arms around it, or just because I don't agree with it doesn't, make it, doesn't mean it ain't right. I still believe it's right. I believe it's infallible. I believe, but, but I'm willing to say, hey, you know, there's some things in there I just don't quite and, and, you know, there's a lot of things that I will understand I don't understand now because there are things 20 years ago in there I didn't understand now. Okay, duh, I get it. Duh, I get it. Even the lesson that we talked a couple, was it a couple Wednesday, Sundays ago when we were talking about the, you know, the, the laborers that were, that were hired into the vineyard, you know, I never did understand why do they get the same money as the guys, you know, the guys that was there 12 hours, the same guy that gave first, uh, the, the guys that worked 12 hours were paid this and the one that worked the one hour, the one hours were paid the same as the one at 12. Never could get my arms around that, and I always said it ain't fair. But it is fair. Why was it fair? Because, because he told them what he was going to do, and they agreed to do it. So I made it fair, right? Made it fair. You know, you, if you agree to something, and just because you hear somebody else got a better deal, doesn't mean it ain't fair. You agreed to it. And then we had a lot of reasons why that, that maybe that was. But anyway... Um, so, back to our notes here. <laughs> Chasing some rabbits, but it's okay. Um, 
So strong leaders own their mistakes. Uh, be quick to say, I'm sorry. Be quick to say, I'm sorry. And hey, don't say, you know, when you're saying, I'm sorry, don't, and this is really good in marriage, you know, I just always have to bring marriage in it because that's one of my passions, but, but, you know, when you're apologizing, whether it be to your mate, whether it be to your boss, whether it be to your best friend, whatever, but or whoever you are leading, don't say, when you're apologizing, don't say, you know, if I did this or if I did that, you know. How many know that's lame? How many know that's not really an apology at all? Uh, Don't say, if I did this or if I did that. Be specific and say, I'm sorry for, and then fill in the blanks. I'm sorry because I acted like a jerk. I'm sorry because I said I would be there and I didn't show up. Be specific. Um, here's what I've, I've, I've learned, and that is a sincere apology drains out all the anger. A sincere apology drains out all the anger. Would you agree with me that it's hard to stay mad at someone who owns and takes responsibility for their mistake? Would you agree with that? It's, uh, it's hard to stay mad at someone who owns and takes responsibility for their mistake. I'll never forget many years ago now, I, I had a leader over me, and I was a, in a, uh, on a committee, and I had a, I had a leader that was over me. And I'll never forget the first time he stood up and he said, man, guys, I blew it. I, I, man, I just, I blew it, man. I just really blew it. And he just went in and said what he blew, you know, I blew this. You know, and, you know, I remember, yeah, you did, dude, you did. But, I, but my mind, uh, my, my mouth about fell open because I thought, what? You actually admit that you blew it? You actually admit you met? And you know what? Before the meeting, you know, man, I mean, I had steam coming out of my ears for what this dude had done, you know. But then when he stood up in front of us and said, hey, guys, man, I, man, I really blew it, man. I messed up here, and, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, and, you know, we need to fix this or whatever. Well, you know, all of a sudden... All of a sudden, I wasn't angry anymore. You know, it just kind of, you know, it just kind of uh, diffuses things, doesn't it? Uh, I'm saying I'm sorry, or, or um, a sincere apology drains out all the anger. Hard to stay mad at someone who owns and takes responsibility for their mistake. So don't play the blame. Sometimes it takes a little time to process. And even if they don't respond correctly to your apology, and even if they don't co- ever come around, just know that you have done the right thing. You have done the right thing. You have been a good leader, and you have done the right thing. All right, let me give you three reasons why people don't apologize. Why, why, why don't people apologize? Well, let me give you three reasons. The first reason is because of pride. We don't apologize because of pride. Blame game. Don't play the blame game. Take ownership. Take ownership of the mistake. Be willing to apologize. Uh, and then also you need to understand this. You also need to give people time to process your apology. Give people time to process your apology. Um, um, people that don't apologize because of pride, they are arrogant and full of themselves, and they don't think that anything is their fault. They're arrogant full of pride, and think nothing is their fault. How many remember Fonzie? Remember Fonzie? 
Even the young ones have seen Happy Days, right? Some of us grew up with Fonzie, or at least in our early adulthood. Fonzie, remember Fonzie? Remember that, that he could not admit he was wrong. Remember? Do you remember that? He could not remember he was wrong. He, even when he would try to say it, he couldn't say it. He would say, I was... I wasn't quite right. <laughs> he couldn't say I was wrong. I've met people like that. One reason why people don't apologize is pride. Another reason that some people don't apologize is because of a poor self-image. A poor self-image. They already see themselves as less than they should be, so admitting a mistake in their mind proves it. They already don't see themselves They already see themselves as less than they should be, and so if they admit a mistake, they think it will prove that. But, and the third reason is, for percept, is because of perception. Perception. See, see, they don't admit they're wrong. They don't apologize because they think admitting a mistake makes them look weak. If they admit a mistake, they think it makes them look weak. Actually... Actually, admitting a mistake and taking responsibility for a failure or mistake makes you look strong. It doesn't make you look weak. It makes you look strong. You are strong enough to own the mistake. You are, all, you are strong enough to own your mess up. You're strong enough to take the heat for it. So don't think that if you apologize, it's going to make you appear weak. It's not going to make you appear weak. It's going to make you appear strong, that you are strong enough to admit you were wrong and admit your mistake and strong enough to own it. So, in order to become an A-plus leader, a superior leader, it will require that you learn how to what? Apologize. Number two, you'll have to learn how to ascend. Ascend. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 41, Jesus said, when you're asked to go a mile, if someone asks you to go a mile, he said, don't go a mile, go two miles. Go two miles. Matthew 5, 41. See, A-plus leaders or exceptional or superior leaders know how to take the high road. A-plus leaders know how to rise above situations. They're not easily discouraged. They're not overly anxious about difficult situations. It takes a lot to rock their boat, rock their world. They're consistent. A-plus leaders, back to our notes, A-plus leaders don't allow C and D students or leaders or followers. They know how to take the high road. To pull them down. (laughs) 
Let me tell you the main difference between an A-plus or a superior leader or a B, C, or D, average or below average leader. The main difference between A-plus leaders and B, C, and D leaders and followers is focus. The difference is focus. See, C and D leaders and followers constantly look around. They're constantly looking around. They're looking at the situation. They're looking at the circumstances. All they can see is all the problems. All they can see is all the reasons why something won't work. They focus on all the negatives. They're the first to tell you why your plan won't work and why it won't succeed. On the other hand, A-plus leaders constantly are looking up. A-plus leaders constantly look up. As I already said, C and D leaders focus on the problems. On the other hand, A-plus leaders or superior leaders focus on the goal or the objective. They focus on the target. They focus on the solution. Instead of focusing on all the problems, they focus on the solution. They, they see all the reasons why something will work. Not why it won't work, but why it will work. Instead of focusing on the negatives, they focus on the positives. A-plus or superior leaders pull people up to where they are. C and D leaders allow people to drag them down to where they are. And how many understand that if you allow your followers to drag you down to where they are, you are not really a leader at all, at least not at the moment. Let's look at the third one. This is big. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is the big one. A-plus or superior leaders learn how to accept. Learn how to accept. Three things. Proverbs 24 and 10 says, if you fail under pressure, your strength is small. There are three things A-plus leaders accept. Number one is people. They accept people. How many understand that people are our greatest asset? Can't get much done without people, can you? Even God can't get much done without people. Oh, he could, but he doesn't, does he? People are our greatest asset (laughs) and... Our greatest aggravation. True? For this, but I'm pretty sure your mate is your greatest asset and your greatest aggravation. Here's what's interesting it's in your notes. The very thing that draws us to a person is the very thing. 
Now, don't that will irritate us in a matter of time. The very thing that draws us to a person is the very thing that will irritate us in a matter of time. Illustration. A situation arises that calls for a strong leader who is decisive and aggressive. Man, we got, you know, we got a problem here, man. We got us a mess on our hands, so we better find us. We better find us a type A, take charge, strong, decisive, aggressive leader. Right? So a company or an organization or a church or whatever, goes out and gets that kind of a leader. He comes in, he cleans up Dodge. Someone told me, Pastor, when you came in here 12 years ago, you came in here like a gunslinger going to clean up the town. Well, the town was a mess. Hardly any of you know about it. One right here, but she was a little... She don't really know the magnitude of the mess. She knows a little bit about it. The rest of you, I'm looking around. have no clue. You look around and say, well, no, uh, you have no clue. have no clue. So you got a mess on your hands, you know. You need a strong, decisive, uh, aggressive, type A kind of leader. He comes in, he cleans up Dodge, puts things back together, and he becomes a hero. For the moment. But then his aggressiveness and his strong leadership starts to grate on certain people's nerves. Same is true in marriage. Same is true in marriage. Whatever draws you to some person is also the thing that will... uh, uh, aggravate you and frustrate you over time. You know, uh, he's, his easygoing style is so appealing to you at first until you need him to take charge and do something about a particular situation. And he says, it's okay, everything will work itself all right, everything will work itself out all Just give it time. Right? The very thing that draws us to a person is the very thing that will irritate us in a matter of time. So, A-plus or superior leaders... Leaders accept people as they are. They learn to accept people as they are. A-plus leaders realize that people change very little. People change very little. Don't think you're going to marry somebody and change them. I'm telling you, they're the best they're going to be right now because they're they're, you know, before you get married, because they're trying to get you to marry them. And so, you know, the real person is hiding at home in a closet, and they're going to come out after the, after the honeymoon. Hello? You don't, don't shake your head. I don't want to get you in trouble. 
truth of the matter is, people change very little. And people who try to change people to become the way they want them to be become very frustrated. They become very frustrated. Now, I'm not saying that people can't improve. I'm not saying people cannot be taught. Disorganized people can be taught to be less disorganized. They probably can't be taught to be organized, but they can be taught to be less organized, uh, less disorganized. Messy people probably can't be taught to be perfectionists, but they can be taught to be less, uh, less messy. I'm not saying that people can't improve. I can't, I'm not saying people can't be taught. But I'm saying, basically, people change very little. I'm saying that our God-given personality and our God-given gifts, talents, and abilities and the traits that come with our personalities will be dominant and will come out in everything we do. Good leaders understand this and place their people in positions where the person's personality and giftings will be an asset to them and not a liability. Now, I know everybody's got cell phones now, but I'm old enough to remember when we actually had landlines that people used. And, and I, I, I remember years ago when we had a a phone in the foyer. Most churches had a phone in the foyer of the church years ago. And so, uh, of course, and especially in smaller churches, because in smaller churches, they, maybe the pastor didn't even have an office at the church. Or if he did, he, you know, he wasn't always there or whatever. So there was, a, there was a, a phone in the foyer, and just about anybody would answer the phone. And so I remember a, a man. He was a good man. He was a good man. But um, one time I called the church trying to find if somebody was there because somebody was trying to get in the church or whatever the scenario was. And, uh, and so this man answered the phone, Calvary Assembly, Calvary Assembly. I thought he was biting my head off, man, you know. And so he was actually one of my, <laughs> one of my deacons. <laughs> and he was a good man. He was faithful. He was loyal. He was a hard worker, but he had a real gruff exterior. And so I banned him from answering the phone. <laughs> I said, don't you ever answer. I, I had a good relationship with him. I could do this. I called him my name. I said, don't answer the phone. Let, you know, if you're at the church, nobody else is there, let it ring. Don't answer the phone. because you're. Gonna, I didn't say this, but the truth was, you're going to run off more people than you're going to get. Just don't answer the phone. Go Mow the yard, because that's what you're good at. And he was, and he did, and he was awesome. And thank God for people that mow the yard. Don't answer the phone. Please don't answer. Don't answer the phone, dude. <laughs> oh, goodness. Ooh, where am I at? had a point there somewhere. Um, find out where I'm at here. People who try to change people to become the way they want them to be become very frustrated. A-plus leaders understand 
A-plus leaders understand that they too are the cause of frustration for others. So if we want to be accepted for who we are, we must learn how to accept others as they are. And here's what I've learned. The greatest gift you can give a person is acceptance. Okay, so A-plus or superior leaders learn to accept, number one, people. Number two, and this is, this, is, this is really big. It really is. It's really big. You need to understand this. This is vital. They learn to accept places. Places. A-plus leaders learn to appreciate the place where they are. A-plus or superior leaders learn to appreciate the place where they are. Let me tell you, listen, you need to get a hold of this. If you're a leader, you need to get a hold of this. Leaders shoot themselves in the foot, actually maybe in the head, when they constantly speak of where they were as superior to where they are. Got that? You need to get a hold of this. Leaders shoot themselves in the foot when they constantly speak of where they were as superior to where they are. I'll never forget, I hadn't been married very long, and I told my wife, I said, you don't cook like my mama. She said, then go sleep with your mama. (laughs) Pretty good answer. Now, I will tell you, 43 years later, and actually probably for the last 42 years, my wife has been an excellent cook. I would rather eat my wife's cooking than anyone's cooking and sometimes after my wife has prepared a meal I say why do we constantly eat out the best food in Arlington is on this table but I know the reason we're eating out is not because she's not a good cook it's because we both work we're very busy blah 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 I understand that I understand here's what I say if it was so good there what are you doing here You know, people do that sometimes in church, you know. Well, you know, you know, the church I was going to, they did this, they did that, they did something else. Well, if it's so good over there, what are you doing over here? Hello? Testing. One, My mic just went out, right? Testing one, right? You know, I don't know what it's like, to, you know, to be divorced and remarried. I, I, I can't even imagine it. But, you know, I don't think it's very smart, probably, if you're in your second marriage and you talk about your first marriage, how good it was. Well, if it was so good, why are you doing it in the second one? Hello, testing, one, two. If it was so good there, what are you doing here? Superior leaders. 
Learn to accept places. Here's what I've learned. People are reluctant to follow an unhappy leader. And people don't want to follow a leader whom they perceive as temporary. I mean, who wants to follow someone you, that you perceive as temporary? Why? I mean, by the time I get, you know, in line and, you know, march in their parade, they're going to be off somewhere else. So why should I, you know, ride it? To them and to a future with them. People want to, back to our notes, people want to follow a leader they believe is committed. If you've been around here for a while, you, you, you know that I keep talking about 10 more years as lead pastor. <laughs> My wife said, the other day, said, you know, you've been talking about that for two or three years now. Shouldn't you be talking about seven or eight? You're still using the, word, the term 10. But I keep talking about 10 more years as lead pastor for a purpose. I want people to know that I'm not planning on going anywhere. I want people to know that I not only want to uh, I not only uh, plan to build the grace place, which I've already done, but I plan to fill it up a couple of times. And, and, and after we fill it up a couple of times, I, I plan on building another auditorium, you know, twice this size. Come on. Not going anywhere, and I'm not treading water, not trying to rest on my laurels and tread water till I can retire. No, my latter year is going to be greater than my former years. Who wants to? Who wants to follow a leader that's temporary? Well, that's not going anywhere. So I'll let people know. All right, number three. A-plus or superior leaders learn how to accept problems. Problems. Here's something I say. People who run from problems will be in good shape. People who run from problems will be in good shape because problems are inevitable. I'm not being negative, pessimistic. It's just a fact. Problems are inevitable. There are no problem-free environments. No problem-free environments. Because problems are a part of life. They just are. I, I use the scripture Sunday that Job said, a man is a few days and full of trouble. There's going to be problems. There's going to be difficulties. There's going to be, not being pessimistic, I'm, but life's worth it, isn't it? Life's worth it. There are no problem-free marriages, but marriage is worth it. No problem-free homes, no problem-free parenting. Every parent has had their problems with their kids. Some have more problems than others. Some of them have them early. Some of them have them late. Some kids rebel at 13. Some kids rebel at 30. No problem-free environments. Problems are a part of life. Every family has them. Every workplace 
has them. Some have more than others, but every workplace has them. Every team has them. So if you leave a person or a place because of an unresolved problem, the problem will follow you. The new person or place might have a new name or... I'll never forget years ago hearing a, a, a pastor he was, <clears throat> who pastored a large successful church, but I, he was talking to us pastors and he was telling us, you know, every church has its problems, so, so face the problems where you're at because if you go to the next, if you, you know, if you run from problems, they're going to chase you because there's problems everywhere. And he, and he said, he said, you know, he said, when I was a young pastor, he said, As my, in my first church, he said, I was, I was doing well until, you know, our new face. But the very same problem will eventually surface. <laughs> Who showed their ugly face in my church? He said, Nellie Papufnik. Where he got that name, I'll never know. But he said, Nellie Papufnik shows up in my church, and she causes me all kinds of problems. And one day I just had it with Nellie Papufnik and I just said, I'm tired of Nellie Papufnik and I'm tired of her stirring up trouble and problems in my church. And so he said, I just got up and I just resigned and I left. And he said, I went 100 miles down the road and I took another church. And, and he said, things went well for a few months there until guess who showed up in my church? Nellie Papufnik. Said it wasn't the same person, had a different name, had a different face, but it was the same old thing. He said, listen, fellas, he said, Nellie Papufnik is in every church. You might as well face her where you're at. Don't run from her. Face her where you're at. Well, Nellie Papufnik is in every, you know, in every church, in every organization. So we might as well buck up and face the problem where it's at, who it is, Right? Because if you leave a person or a place because of an unresolved problem, the problem will follow you. The new person or place might have a new name or face, but the same, very same problem will eventually surface. Problem is, sometimes, is we don't understand who the real problem is. Because how many understand, I said this the other day, but if Bill and Ray have a problem and Bill and Carol have a problem and Bill and Jack have a problem, Bill and Joe have a problem, Bill and Susie have a problem, who's the problem? A-plus or superior leaders accept the fact. They accept the fact that problems are normal. So what do we do with problems? What do we do with problems? Well, here's what A-plus or superior leaders do with problems. Four things. The first thing they do, the first thing that an A-plus or superior leader will do about it with a problem is, number one, they will evaluate. They will evaluate. They'll evaluate the problem. They'll ask questions. Questions are, are our best friend. Did you know that? Questions are our best friend. And superior A-plus leaders learn how to ask a lot of questions. And they learn how to ask a lot of questions about themselves and to themselves. Okay, so they evaluate. They ask questions. Questions like, is this true? Maybe it's an alle- uh, allegation. Is this is this, they ask the question, is this true? 
They ask the question, is it exaggerated? Is it exaggerated? The way it's been presented, is it, okay, it might be true, but is it an exaggeration? That's what we need to learn as, as, as people and in church as well. When somebody comes to us with a story, we need to understand if it's not firsthand, then it's exaggerated. Remember that old game, the gossip game, you know, where I tell you something and then you, you know, I whisper something in your ear and you and, and pass it down and by, the, by, you know, five or six or ten, by the time it gets down, down the line, you know, everything, it, 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 it worked close the way it was. How many understand there's always three sides to every story? You thought there were two, there's three, you know. There's your side, my side, and the real side, right? There's the way you see it, the way I see it, and the way it really is. We need to understand that. So ask, evaluate. Evaluate the problem. Is it true? Is it exaggerated? And then ask, ask yourself, how severe is this problem? On a scale of 1 to 10, is it a 3 or is it a 9? Some things aren't really, you know, if it's a two, it's not really a problem. It's just an irritation. When my son first came to work for me as my youth pastor years ago, he just, you know, he was only 19 years old, almost 20, but just 19 years old. You know, and one day he just blew up at me. I mean, you know, he was, wasn't just my staff member, he was my son. So, he, you know, he knew I, I might spank him for it, but I'm probably not going to fire him for it, you know. And he just, you know, you know, he just couldn't understand because I let a situation go on. And why don't you bring those people in? And why don't you, why don't you deal with this? I can't believe you let this situation go on. And you know, all this stuff. I said, son, I said, you know, you don't confront every issue. It's not worth it. You have to ask yourself, is this a hill I'm willing to die on? I'm not willing to die on this hill, then, you know. It's just an irritation, not a, real, not a real problem. So ask yourself, you know, evaluate. Is this true? Is it exaggerated? How severe is the problem from scale of 1 to 10? If it's a 2 or 3, it's probably not a problem. It's just an irritation. And then ask yourself, how many people are involved in this? You know, when people come to me with a situation in the church and they say, the people are saying... My first question is, well, who are the people and how many are there? You know, the people are saying, well, who are they? And if they're not willing to give me names, then okay, conversation over, bye, bless you, see you. The second question, how many? You know, the people, well, I got 600 people to call this their church, you know. If seven people have a problem, it's not a big deal, you know. Right? So ask yourself. How many people are involved and how many people are affected in this situation? That will help you determine whether it's a problem or just an irritation. All right, what do you do after you evaluate? Well, A-plus leaders, then they educate. They first evaluate, then they educate. Again, they ask questions. Number one, what can I do about this problem? What can I do about this problem. There's some things I can't do anything about the problem. But what can I do about this problem? Or can I do anything about this problem? 
questions like, um, what can I do about this problem? Um, how can I keep from repeating this problem? That's a good question. How can I keep from repeating this problem? Another good question might be, <clears throat> who can help me with this problem? Who can help me with this problem? Four things A-plus or superior leaders do with problems. Number one, they evaluate the problem. Number two, they educate themselves. Number three, they endure. We've already talked about it. They don't run from the problem. They work out the problem. And then the fourth thing that they do is they eliminate. They eliminate. I've already said it. Everyone has problems. The question is, is it the same problem I was dealing with this time last year? Is it the same old problem? If that's the president, tell him I'll call him back. Is it the same problem I was dealing with last year? If so, you probably have a problem. So solve the problem. So you can go on to the next problem. Had an individual call me today, and they were struggling in an area, and I won't go into details because this is on going to be on on the internet so but they were talking to me about their situation and and their position was about to be taken away from them and so I they were calling me for some advice and some wisdom and some help and and the situation was pretty dire and, and I could see both sides of the situation but I told the individual I said hey I said, why don't you say this? Okay, let's, let's, don't take me out of the position right now. How about, how about one year from today? One year from today, reevaluate the situation. And if, and if, and if, what I'm leading is the same, in the same place a year from now as it is right now, then I will step down voluntarily. Doesn't that sound fair? Give me an opportunity to rectify. Give me an opportunity. This person hadn't done anything illegal. They hadn't done anything improper. They hadn't done anything immoral. They just weren't having the success that those that were over them thought they should have. And so they were just going to, they are just taking it away from them. I said, why not ask them, give me a year. Give me a year to turn this around. What do A-plus leaders do with problems? Number one, they evaluate. Number two, they educate themselves. Number three, they endure. Number three, they, they eliminate. They, they solve 
they solve the problem so they can go on to the next problem. So we're talking about A plus or superior leaders. I hope you don't want to settle for being a, a B minus C or D leader. I hope that you want you strive to be a superior leader, whether you're leading your home, whether you're leading your family, whether you're leading a business, a company, a ministry, whatever. Hopefully these things will be helpful to you. And we'll just pick this back up next Wednesday night and uh, have some more things we'll talk about in order to become A-plus superior leaders. Father, thank you for the lesson tonight. Thank you for the things that we've gleaned, that we've learned. I pray, Lord, that you'll help us to become doers of your word, and not just hearers only. We may become A-plus superior, excellent leaders for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.